Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Welcome to Pint Glass Preachers. Sitting at the proverbial pub table with me are Gabe and Josh. It's probably one of those high top tables because it's clearly the most casual of all pub t- tables in existence. Plus, if, we, if it was a booth, then we would have to do that awkward decision-making process at the beginning, like which side has two people, which has one, you know. As usual, we'll be talking beer, culture, sports, obscure late 90s rap references, and we might actually get around to talking about our kids. Which is ironic, since we are at this imaginary bar, ignoring the very kids we speak of. But if we are going to talk about our kids, we're going to talk specifically about our relationship to them, how we parent them, where we do well, where we're doing a, che- doing a terrible job, and what is the ideal parenting style. Well, this should be fun, right? I mean, I used to take my kid to the bar with me. That's and good. You're a terrible parent. Well, I mean, kind of. Like, Gabe, I don't know if you remember when we were at the seminary, but when Harper was first born, she was our firstborn kid. You know, when babies are just a couple of months old, they just sit in car seats and they mm-hmm. sleep most of the time. And so Jenny and I, we would when we meet up with, you know, people like you and Melissa yep. and our other friends who were young and in love but didn't yet have, uh, have sired any offspring, then we yep. would just bring Harper with us. And I remember, like, in St. Louis, we sat at the um, – Oh, what was that Irish place? Not not Seamus McDaniel's with the amazing burgers, but the oh. other one down there in Dogtown. Yeah, yeah. I remember showing up to that place, sitting at a high top. Yep. Up me and Jenny, you know, um, inhaling wafted cigarette smoke from other people, and there was our like three months. You were allowed to smoke still then. In, yeah, you inside. were. Well, at least in that place. This yeah. makes and it even our, worse that your child was just there's our sitting three, there sleeping, there. <laughs> in secondhand <laughs> smoking, which we know to be the worst. Yeah, and so it's like, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, and there's our three-month-old daughter sitting in a car seat on the ground while we're at a high-top pub table having a beer. Well, at least maybe she was down low then so that the smoke was rising above her. We oh, totally, totally. But, but Jenny and I always convinced ourselves, like, you know, we're not going to be those parents that shelter our kids and, like, don't – and let parenting, like, destroy our lives. Like, we're, we're going to be those, those parents that, like, give our kids experiences. So, yeah, I guess we'll take them to get a beer with us when <laughs> Old. Terrible, That's Jessica. Good. That's good. All right. Well, Josh's poor parenting decisions aside, uh, we want to talk about a couple of our partners on the front end here. Well, really, our partner, uh, and our partner is the Gospel Economist. Uh, we are so excited that we get to work with them. Uh, they are a group of writers and bloggers that seek the story of Jesus Christ and his payment for our sin in our everyday lives. You can check them out at medium.com slash the dash gospel dash economist. Uh, certainly encourage you to check them out. We, uh, we love it. They host our podcast. And uh, recently they actually just released a new feature today, uh, the day we're recording this, uh, in, in which it's uh, the sketch note devotional uh, put together by Matt Daring. He does these little sketch notes where he does these kind of fancy uh, typography uh, freehand on, on his notebook of, of different books of the Bible. So 
Uh, if, if you're into that sort of thing, I encourage you to check it out. I had the privilege of working with Matt. He would actually do those doodles during our staff meetings, which frustrated me. So I'm glad he's using it for this purpose. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. So I encourage you to check out The Gospel Economist. Uh, awesome articles on there. Really helpful stuff. Um, so encourage you to check that out. All right. Really uh, that you would get mad at him for doodling. I'm a note doodler. I know, but he like... maybe. It helps. It, sometimes it helps people focus. like us focus on our note taking. I yeah. If 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 I knew it was helping, then I would have been cool with it. But it was not helping. Okay, fair enough. I'm a grumpy boss. It's just true. We discovered. Oh, we, we discussed how grumpy I am last episode. So people know. Yeah, we really did. We did. We did. It went. It got dark. Anyways, what are we drinking tonight, gents? Well, I'll oh. start because I'm not drinking <sighs> anything. What? That's right. I know. Not even I, water? Here's the thing. I went downstairs, as discussed. I got home. I, I went to the fridge. I went to grab the mixings for, for my drink. I went to the cupboard, and there is not a drop of anything that I drink in this house. And so I really thought I still had in my, in my small barrel, I, I thought I still had some bourbon, and I was going to make myself a beautiful bourbon and ginger. And uh, those plans fell through. And so... So you had enough. enough time to make yourself a charcuterie plate. I did. But <laughs> not enough time to grab anything to drink. Well, like I said, I came home. There was definitely charcuterie in my refrigerator. But there was no bourbon or beer or rum or anything that I drank. Not even house. a Zima? There, I had some cranberry vodka. Well, hey, there, there you go, man. Toss a little go. tonic in there and you, you got a drink. Well, it's speaking of depressing yeah. drink situations, I'll continue the trend. Uh, I am, uh, again, in the it's, it's that time of year in the Casper home. It's Whole30 time. And oh. so I can't have any Terrible. booze right now. So I am currently drinking uh, Synergy Organic Kombucha. Uh, Cosmic Cranberry is the flavor. Uh, it's pretty good. I'm not loving it, but it's okay. It's at least fermented. Is it better than the La Croix that you drank last time you were on the Whole30? Uh, it's more expensive. Uh, I, don't <laughs> I don't know if it's better, but it costs more. Oh, fine. Well, I guess I have to redeem this terrible, terrible introduction to pint glass preachers in which only one out of the three of us has a pint with them. Well, what are you drinking? I hope you. I hope it does justice. It is, yeah. Um, it's well. It's it's kind of a throwback to my home state of California. Um, typically, Sierra Nevada is known for their just standard pale ale, but yeah. I ran across their Tropical Torpedo Ooh. IPA, and I don't know what hops they used, but it is really, really just kind of like citrusy and fruity and delicious. So, thank you, Sierra Nevada, yeah. for sharing your Tropical I'm, Torpedo I'm, IPA I will with. That is a great have you had, beer. Have you had it before? Mm-hmm. I've never had it. And I tried it at the uh, at the grocery store today when I was getting my growler filled and could not pass on it. It was too good to be true. Yep. Nice. It's delicious. Nice. Well, hey, uh, thanks for redeeming us, Josh. We do appreciate it. Another thing we appreciate is interacting with you, our good friends, the listener. And so a few ways you can do that. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter, I want to give a shout out to our friend uh, UA Bandercar for reaching out to us. Uh, Awesome. Thanks for uh, looking up happiness on Siri. Glad she finally got back to you. Um, Shame on Siri. Shame shame on her. 
And then another fun way to, to connect with us, we uh, we kick it old school, and you can text us uh, your questions at 612-208-6258. Again, we would love to interact with you. Text us your questions, 612-208-6258. Uh, we got a question from our last episode uh, in which an intervention was staged for me because I, I don't believe in happiness. Uh, and uh, Josh, what was the question we got? First of all, I was hoping to interject a sweet, terrible joke about old school or grade school. Aren't is that what the young kids do these days? Text? I know. That was, that was ah, okay. Well that joke was funny to me. Listen, that joke was funny to me, which makes it which makes me subjectively happy, whether or not you two want to objectively not acknowledge the fact that that was a great joke. And ironically, that is an incredible segue to the question received from a texter of whom I actually don't know this time. Uh, but their question comes to us via text message at 612-208-6258 with a very simple but incredibly loaded question. Is happiness subjective? Whew. Whew. I mean. Yes, right? But. Uh, go, I mean. Go on. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean so here's the thing. If I were to go on, Tom. It's subjective because one thing that makes me happy does not make you happy. I think we thoroughly explored that last week, right? Being bald. <laughs> yes. Does being bald make you happy, Tom? It does. Actually, I don't have to do anything with my hair. Well, so then we can define happiness however we want to. Because that's because that would be my thing. Like, yeah. what if I said, but, but, but I guess what I'm saying is with, without an objective standard, of what happiness is, how can I know that I'm like the experience of happiness is subjective, right? Only you can feel happy, but the definition of happiness cannot be subjective. It, it is determined by a force well, outside of yourself. Well, maybe, maybe not, maybe not the definition, but how about, um, like the, well, see, I would say the uh, definition, I would say like not definition, but like the the appropriate triggers of happiness. Like for example, you know there are people who think that you know like lighting cats on fire makes them happy, but most of society would say that doesn't make you happy. That makes you sick. And so I don't know if we can nail down the definition of happiness, rather the like societal constructs which dictate what is acceptable as something as an activity. Uh, that that brings happiness. See, I, I kind of like what you said earlier. Like the markers of happiness seem to be more objective to me. There is a smile on your face. Uh, you have a feeling of euphoria, of joy. Um, you are not sad. But the things that make you happy, yes, if it is burning kittens, then if that makes you happy, you're a terrible person. But it makes you happy. I, you know, we've had infinite discussions on this about my love of transformer movies makes me happy, but it doesn't oh. for you or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. But that's like a, that's like a sociologically acceptable form of bringing someone happiness, watching a movie, the transformers, comic books, you know, cartoon characters, whatever the case may be, not burning cats. Right. But, right. but that's, but that still makes and, and so somebody happy. Yeah, but I, I think I think where that digresses and eventually breaks down is Tom. I think what you just defined is all the ism words that we have 
like sadism and hedonism and everything else that are outlier activities that bring some people happiness, but the vast majority of, of a society would deem taboo. Yeah. But on the flip side, there are you, most people would say grandchildren or children make me happy. And there are some people who want nothing to do with their children and they leave. I mean, but the vast, I'm saying the majority, Tom, Gosh, yeah, um, you're always trying to find the needle in the haystack. No, I'm simply right trying. Now. Listen, we, we could spend an, another entire episode just on whether or not. If, clearly, this is an incredibly difficult question to answer. Thank you for the text. Thank you for yep. the question. We are sorry. We are so sorry that yep. we have let you down. But for everyone else, if you want to stump Remove. the preachers and Tom, which is the easiest thing to do, then text <laughs> us your questions in the future. 612-208-6258. All right. Let's get into what we're really going to be talking about tonight. Because like you said, we could continue on and on and on forever on this uh, happiness deal. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk a little bit about parenting. Uh, all three of us are parents. Uh, we have multiple children. And uh, we've been parents not just for a couple months. Most of us have been parents for a couple years now. And uh, I don't... Eight years. Look at you. I got eight years under my belt too. And four. so I, I don't think we are, you know, as we go into this, I'd like to say one, we are not professing to be experts in parenting. We are simply stating what we know, what we have experienced and what we subjectively think about being a parent. You're probably also going to get a little bit more uh, from the perspective of being a dad than than anything else so if you object to that sorry so we're going to go into break and when we come back we're going to we're going to first hit up some examples that we've seen uh, of what we think is not the greatest parenting but again subjective enjoy the break Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that break. Hope you would have found something to drink. Or if you're driving, you kept your eyes on the road. In any case, uh, I have a little fun fact for us to get our conversation going for this evening about parenting. And uh, I learned this fun fact from a little summit presentation I was invited to just the other day where Dr. Pat Levitt uh, he presented on the thousand days that build a brain was the title of his um, little presentation, and he like this dude's uh, he he's legit. Okay, he is like a neuroscientist with tons of cred. He works out at USC and the Children's Hospital in LA and all that kind of stuff. And they what he was talking about is these these the the days that form the brain synapses um, that ultimately dictate you know certain key you know, fundamental areas of life and the development of those areas of life. And he was talking about how in the first like thousand days that there are 1 million brain synapses that are formed every second. So, well, so snap your fingers. That's a million brain synapses in an snap. infant. You can yeah, it's, it's insane. Yourself. Yeah. Go on. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. Some synapse wasn't firing. Some Anyways. synapse wasn't firing properly in your brain right there, yep. Gabe. Yep. Yep. In any Carry case. On. Yeah. In any case. So he was basically talking about all this kind of stuff. And most of it was about children, was about brain development, all this kind of stuff. But he did drop this little nugget that was insanely pertinent to our conversation tonight. And he said that uh, in a study of the way, oh, sorry, let me preface it one more with this. We tend to think of adverse developmental um, experiences in children. Uh, we tend to like lump them in with, say, physical or sexual abuse, uh, emotional, bullying, spiritual abuse, like those kind of things, right? Yeah. But the vast majority of, um, uh, of, of brain disabilities, not like autism or anything like that, but stuff that happens as a result of a lack of as a child is actually due to neglect and so what he was he used that as a segue to drop this little fun fact that north america uh the usa in particular but canada was lumped in there too so north america is unique in the world because we're the only continent that if you survey parents believe it is fundamentally wrong to tell someone else how to parent it's not that unbelievable if you really think about it that, of course, we in America would be the only people in the world who would say, it's wrong for you to tell me how to parent my kid. But I was still kind of surprised that we were unique in that fact. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Well, it is interesting because I, I kind of like, I kind of think about it. I'm like, yeah, I don't want anyone telling me how to parent. But then if I think deeper about it, I'm like, there probably is a right way to parent like a good you, way to parent. And well, if see, I'm not doing it right, someone should tell me how to do it right. Okay, so that's exactly, that was kind of his point because at first as Americans, we would jump to the fact like, oh, if I'm not, if, if I'm not a spanker, then you're going to tell me I got to hit my kids, you know? Or if right. I say I don't spank, then if I see you hitting your kids, I'm going to tell you, oh, you're wrong, you can't do that. But he was actually referring to the fact, so say, because neglect is like the number one thing, right? Um, that if you... Go, if you as a new parent or expecting parent were to go to a class, we as Americans have a severe distaste to even going to a class that gives you guiding principles or general best practices on parenting. Like in terms of raising your children in a healthy way, like we don't like to even hear those kind of things. Whereas in Europe or Asia or, you know, Africa, people are willing to at least go to like say a parenting class. But we here in America – see that as crossing a line uh, over our our, our authority yeah, and it, our liberty to govern our own children essentially is that is the exception to that uh parenting books because you in a, class, a lot of parenting books yeah because yeah, but, I, but parenting books are so class, passive you know what i mean it's well, not you could read a right. book and be like oh i don't care about this guy but if you tom come to me and say or or you're like hey josh i really think we should go to this parenting class i'm like I know how to parent. Screw you. Well, right. Because I mean, with both a class and a book, you have to make a conscious decision to pick up the book or go to the class. But that's where the similarities stop because now you are, if you're at a class, you are, you are telling the people just by being there, the other people that I maybe don't have it all figured out. Whereas a book is in the comforts of your own home and nobody has to see that you're reading a parenting book. You can always choose to just put the book down and never pick it up again. It's a little harder to walk out of a class where someone's telling you how to be a good parent. Well, it, what that, but see, that's what makes it so fascinating because we yeah. will go to seminars. We will go to workshops. We will go to conferences all the time in any field where yeah. people tell us 
Hey, yeah. here's the best practice on how to be a pastor or, Hey, here's the best marketing strategies that you can employ or for, you know, for you, Tom, Hey, here's how you can better raise money. And we go there and we, and we eat that kind of stuff up to sort of like better ourselves. But for some reason, when it comes to parenting, uh, we draw the line. That is, that's fascinating. That's true. Cause we like, which is, is really stupid. The more I think about it, I'm like, why didn't I take a parenting class or why don't I? Or why don't we, Yeah. how often, how often do you guys have conversations amongst your good friends? And so I guess I would say, how often do we, the three of us talk about in, instances of parenting our children and what we could do or how we could do it better, or it's not, maybe not necessarily in that context, but do you ever have those conversations with your close friends? Let's just have, have we, the three of us, of all the things that we talk about that don't make it into these episodes, have we ever talked about yeah. parenting strategies or best practices or disciplines? I don't, I don't think so. Maybe super briefly, like, man, you know, Austin did this today and one of you will say, oh man, Titus did something very similar. I sent him to But we're to just sort room. of like, oh, I, you know, we're just like yeah. complaining or right. being like, oh, right. that sucks. But we, hey, but, you know, but I've never been like, uh, yeah. hey, Gabe, you should, you know, do this with Titus instead. But, or, uh, but of all people that I would ask for parenting advice, it would be you guys. Yes. That's true. Th those of you who have <laughs> similar values, similar morals, you know. Similar aged kids. Similar aged kids, likes, dislikes. Yep. We're all Christian. We're all Lutheran. You know, like we, you're the ones that I'd want to hear from because we have similar experiences. <clears throat> do you think? But we don't. Do you think? How about that, and I know I maybe run the risk of offending some people here, uh, but do you think because the three of us are the primary breadwinners in our home and like, I, I, I know this is going to sound bad, but I'm just like, Oh boy, oh boy there is a cliff and we are moving very closely towards this. Just, just let me walk the line here. Let me walk the line. Um, the, the line I'm trying to walk here is this, like, like I put a lot of stock in my performance at work. I put a lot of stock in my abilities as a pastor. Is it, do I maybe uh, not put as much as a father to, to my shame? Not a good thing. Just saying, do I do that? And if someone is perhaps not the primary breadwinner in their home, do they talk about it more than say the three of us do who are? Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know. See, that's funny. Cause I don't think I've ever, like, have Ever our wives like, talked about parenting? Are you talking yeah, about I mean, I feel, talking like, about it with other people? Because Jen and I still talk about it. Yeah, not like you, with other people. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. I, I don't want to say, like, maybe that's like a mom thing, but I know Jenny probably has more conversations with other people about, you know, actual parenting practices than yeah. I do. But I don't know if I'd ever actually draw the conclusion that, because I focus more on like my career, you know what I mean? That I don't yeah. focus much on parenting. I don't know if I'd ever do that, but let me ask you this. And, and this might be running the risk of offending you two, my only friends on this planet. Wow. Since we pretty much, <laughs> since we pretty much agreed that we've never really sat down and discussed parenting strategies, how many of us though have, said behind someone else's back a uh what do you call that 
basically been like, oh, I can't believe they let their kids yet. Or, wow, I can't believe they do that as parents. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, and there is like the, do you remember before you were a parent when you're like, you're the best parent ever before you actually have kids? Like, you know, this is, this is my turn to sound really bad. I don't think I ever really thought about being a parent before I was actually a parent. <laughs> it was like, oh, like, there's oh, a kid. Kill it as a dad. Like, it literally was like, oh, hey, there's a kid. I guess I better figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Before we go any further here, I, uh, I, I, while we're recording here, I texted my wife. I said, hey, could you come up here for a second? And we're going to ask her live the question that we were just talking about, okay? Okay. We're, we're wondering, do you, do you have conversations with other moms or other parents about parenting techniques, best practices, or is it more just complaining or sharing fun things that our kids did and then commiserating and or congratulating? I would say oh, there she is. Um, the mom hey, that Jen. I am speaking to. I think there's a certain group of friends that I, we go deeper with and we say, you know, what, how can we do something better or how can I be a better parent? I do admit there's plenty of times that we just complain or say really fun things about our kids, but I think it depends on the relationship. Okay. There are people that she actually talks to about parenting with. Yeah. So Gabe just asked, uh, there are actually people you talk to, talk to about parenting outside of me. Yes. Okay. Even outside, right. I mean, are they family members or you're talking like actual friends? No, they're, they're, they're friends. No, I mean, I'm only saying that because, like, I've had parenting conversations with my parents and my in-laws, but I don't know if I've ever actually had any, like, legit parenting conversations with other friends. Maybe I have. Yeah, I mean, I know exactly who, you know, who she's talking with. So, I mean, it's it's people we've met through through uh, social JK media or through Match.com. Yeah, yeah. Match. yeah. <laughs> Okay, Tinder, I'm going to listen in another direction because I just realized I had this crazy parenting moment happen to me this past weekend. Uh, hey, let's, so, all, let's all, first of all, let's all give it up for Jen. Yeah, thanks yeah, for joining. Hey, Jen. Yay, Yay, welcome. Snaps. Okay. This, this is a good reminder we should have a ladies' night on Pine Glass Preachers. We really should. We should. Body shots for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not that kind of ladies' night? Oh, my bad. My nope. Bad. Nope. Don't think so. Jager bombs. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are we in are we in Jersey now or something? Jaeger bombs, man. Uh, no. So this past weekend, uh, Titus played in his first organized sport, uh, which of course was Ooh. soccer because I'm teaching my child to be a global citizen and play the world's you, game. You're gonna steal my thunder Come on, you story, but keep going. Well, I probably won't because I think it's gonna be different. Um, but at any rate, so we uh, yeah, soccer. So we're there. And I had this like weird thing happen to me, like, and I wasn't like the yelly dad or or anything weird like that, but like, I took so much pride in him playing, and I was like so nervous about him playing. I was like, oh, I just hope he loves it. Oh, I hope he's good. Oh, like, oh, yeah. And I've not had that happen yet, like at all. And it was like you can ask Melissa. Like, I was giddy Saturday morning. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on, hold on, uh, Gabe. Would you maybe throw that into the category of happiness? Oh my gosh, maybe I would. All right, oh, yes. yes, Gabe was having a fun <laughs> in his life. We've won. We've won. Thank you, Titus. Titus, yeah. you truly are an intervener in your father's life. Well, you know, 
when I first started dealing with depression, we discovered this Bible passage in Second Corinthians uh, that says, uh, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. And so uh, there's there's something hey. to that. There yeah, it's kind of cool. It's like a dual no, anyway, Gabe, I, I have felt the same thing that you that you have had with my kids as they started sports. You know, when they get up to bat, you just want them to hit it, and when they do, it's the greatest thing in all the world. You know, whether what, they, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. man, I might be a terrible parent, which, which only makes me think. How disappointed was my dad with me, like, my whole life? Oh, great. My son's in a punk band. He's probably going to wear women's jeans and lipstick and black eyeliner. What the heck is a sex pistol anyway? (laughs) Dude, I I feel kind of bad because I think I might – for like, I am such a loudmouth, and I get so, like, vocal about everything in my life. But what I've actually – noticed is when my kids have participated like say in their first organized sporting events or in situations where you know they're, they're in those types of environments I actually get super super quiet and almost detached and I don't know if that's like an emotional problem with me or something but like yeah I'm proud of them and I and I'm proud of of their accomplishments when they do those things but you like you guys both know me you would think that I would be that raging father on the sideline making a complete ass out of himself. But yeah. I'm not. We don't swear on the I'm show, like Josh. the quiet one that everyone's like, oh, look at that creeper just folding his arms and crossing his legs in the corner, <laughs> in the corner bleacher. Does he even have a kid Yeah, here? yeah. Where is his kid? Someone check his kid credentials. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we, I think in the long run, that's probably better because it's better than screaming dad, you know, because I already know that I'm going to have to camp out in the corner of the gym if my kid plays basketball, especially like I'm going to have to be as far away from the court as possible so that the referees, other players, other parents and coaches do not hear the the comments that I have for the referees and the job that they are doing that Dude, night. Tom, you know? don't, be, don't be that guy. Don't be I know, Jenna I, was I, coaching I, like fifth grade basketball this year. And there I was sitting in the bleachers and there was you, but not you, the dad who you just described in the corner. And he was such an idiot. Like the stuff he was saying to the refs, I was like, I was looking at him, but in my mind, I was like, dude, this is like fifth grade basketball. You you got to chill out, right? Yeah. Like you need to sit down. And what was crazy is everyone in the bleachers, all the other parents were giving him the look that communicated that to him. Like, Brian, will you just shut up? You know, like one of those kind of things. I'm embarrassed by Mike who invites him anyway, you know, like, so don't be that guy, Tom, please, please. Oh no, I I won't. It's, it's, it's especially when we get to the older, like high school sports when, when things really, cause you're absolutely right. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. They're still learning and, and it's all this, but this is the, this is the guy you don't want to be. And, and this got me really upset. Uh, I am, I'm helping out with my kids uh, coaching baseball this year. Um, I like being out there with them. I, I don't pretend to know that much about baseball, but at that level, I know as much as you need to know. Right. Yep. And, a couple, a couple of the coaches are, are dads and they are coaching their kids. Now I've had the opportunity to coach my kids. Um, I also come from a camping background and, and, and understanding that it's all about fun at this point. It's all about teaching them so that every day they walk away getting better at something that there's a win for them, you know, that this isn't onerous. This isn't uh, something that's a drag on, on them each day. And so 
some of these dads though, they've got their kids and this is, this is five-year-old and six-year-old baseball. And they are just nagging their kids because they, they want to make sure that their kid is the best out there, that they don't want their, because they're the coach, they don't want their kid being the one that screws up or doesn't hold the bat the exact right way. And I mean, they are saying like, this coach is like, come on, buddy, just catch it. I'm like, don't you think he'd be doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> so, oh, really? so wait, 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 Dad, wait, wait, back up. Just catch it. That's what I've been doing wrong. That's been you know? a problem. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I've been not catching it. Uh, but but it's like, come on, buddy, you know better. Come on. And he's just constantly just berating his kid. And I'm like, dude, he's six. <laughs> it so doesn't say, matter at this point. Did you say that to him? What? Well, no. Because, I mean, this, I guess it's, it's kind of a question I have is like, what do you guys do in those situations? Whether it's – whether you're – I mean, okay. That, that's that's exactly side, to your point, like, Josh. Okay. Like – I do not feel comfortable saying, right. dude, you're not going to lay, yeah. lay off your kid. Now, I would say something to the guy in the in the stands, just constantly berating. I mean, I joke around, but like in my head, I'll be thinking it, but I'm not going to be yelling out loud, right? right? Right. But like, I would say something if I was in a varsity basketball game and there was a guy just berating the kids or the coach or the refs or something like that. I would tell him to shut up and sit down. So, but okay, ha- but like, have you? Have any of us been in that? Have any of us been in that situation before? I have two. I have two. You ready? You, yep. Oh yeah. Yes. yes. Please. Okay. One. Uh, this when I was a kid. I just missed his first goal. You were yelling, and someone had to confront you. Yeah. That you 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 nailed it. No no no. This is when I was a kid, uh, and I was playing, and I was on a soccer team called the Rockers, and. Woo! Uh, yeah, yeah, go Rockers. And and we were playing, and, like, we weren't playing that good. And this dad on the sideline was like, come on, Rockets. Come on, Rockets. And the kid on our team, like, in the middle of the game, looked over at the guy, and he goes, we're called the Rockers. And the dad goes, <laughs> well, you're playing like the Rockets, out of fuel. And oh, no. <laughs> no way. Oh, true story. And so, but then it got weird, because then the dude just, like, lost it from that point on. And my buddy's dad was the ref that game and actually kicked the guy out of the game. This was like yeah. sixth grade. And, and he, so he, he made him pick up his lawn chair and his cooler and orange slices and walk back across the field to his car. Yep. I had to wait till I got home for my Capri Sun. Yeah. Oh, and, the worst. I know. I know. So that happened. The other one, though, is when I first moved to Texas, I was uh, coaching U8 soccer. Uh, and so this is like seven-year-olds. And – is four on four, and my end goal with these kids was to get them to – Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. U8 soccer is seven-year-olds? U stands for under. Oh. Under eight, Tom. And what's the first number below eight? Seven. Seven. Carry the, carry the one. Yeah. Do you need an seven. abacus? He didn't go to okay. seminary, Josh. Just, you know. Um, ah, so I don't care grab. about soccer. The seminary. Yeah, we did. That was all we learned in math. But. <laughs> And a little bit of numbers. The Ten Commandments. Huh? Oh, gosh. Book of the oh, okay. Should we keep going, Tom? Anyways. Uh, no, so I had a p- parent, uh, a dad, decide that he was going to be my assistant coach. And uh, I did not ask him to. He decided he was going to be my assistant coach. And and we did. And like problem. Yeah. Oh, I know. Um, but I was like, listen, my goal is that they're kicking it the right way. That is it, period. 
and like the right direction or the right, right direction part of the foot. Yeah. Like not in our goal oh, oh, oh. in the other team's goal. Right. Nice. That's it. That's all I want. That's all goal. Yeah. Foundation right there. And he was just like, come on, spread out. You got to spread out. You got to pass here, cross here. And I'm like, and first of all, he didn't know anything about soccer anyways, but he was like having them do these like crazy advanced drilling techniques. He'd like berate these little 14 year old refs. And so I finally did after like our second game, I, I pulled him aside because I was a coach and I was like, bro, if you're going to do this, like you, you can't act like that anymore or else you can't coach with me. And I just like laid it into him like, and, but, but again, I guess to the point of parenting, I didn't get on him about how he treated his own kid, which was not great. Uh, but I just did it kind of like, generally you're being a jerk. You need to stop. Well, I'm glad you brought that up actually, because Jenny back to her coaching experience this year had a similar thing where, and I think it's like we, we get caught as parents in with these like rose colored glasses in this insane loop of naivete because like this dude for example same kind of thing he's not a coach he's not an assistant coach but his son happened to play on the team and next thing you know like it was sort of like the running joke in the gym because this dude would just show like he would just walk over in the middle of a timeout and start like writing plays on the board or trying to tell them like <laughs> techniques that were 15 years beyond them you know what i mean like yep He's trying to tell his son, who's the most awkward, like, 12-year-old you've ever seen, who doesn't know how his legs – I, I know. Yeah. So it's like he doesn't know how his legs work or how to rebound. But he's like, oh, I need to post up like LeBron and do this like Pau Gasol. And, like, the kid is like, okay, dad. But, like, he clearly doesn't understand. And what was so fascinating for me to watch is, like, everyone in the gym, every other parent sees you, dude, and yep. and just knows – you are acting a darn fool. How is yep. it that you don't see that in yourself? How is it that you you can't recognize that you are being that guy? So what is it with parents? Like, are we willfully ignoring the fact that we are those people at those so, times? Or are some just you know, others? I I think kind of to to Gabe's opening story about about you know th this feeling inside when you're a kid you just want him to hit it you just want him him or her to to do whatever it is whether it's a spelling bee a a, a play a band concert whatever it happens to be just their homework you want them to do the best and you know that that's an example when our kids are doing homework we sit down and we do it with them and we help them do it because that will hopefully help them become better at it so that they are better at school and better at life and all this kind of stuff. So when it comes to these types of things, when our 10 year old is out there, we somehow think that we do know better. And for a lot of parents, you actually don't, you know, right. you, you didn't play soccer, you didn't play basketball, but, but you somehow know better at this point. Right. And that's where you got to leave it to the coaches. So then, but let's, let's Tom, let's like, let's broaden it out to your point, right? Like you talked about, homework and and x y and z and the spelling bee and whatever else but but i do think about like that to me is a real tension i i find as a parent is like um is first of all like recognizing my child's life stage and not expecting too much of them right like a right. three-year-old without a nap is going to be a turd period like that's just <laughs> what's going to happen i can't expect them to behave that's just the yep. way it's going to be right yep um but then so like that's maybe easy enough developmentally, but then you get into the whole idea of personality. And, and so that's where like, um, I think I'm comfortable saying this, like my son Titus has a different personality than I do. 
Like he's, he's more shy, he's more bashful. And I want to be like, bro, you got to get out there, ham it up, crack some jokes, da, 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 da. And, and like, that's just not him. And so what right. do I, what's the balance there between saying, I want to encourage you to better yourself in some ways. And yet you should be comfortable in your own skin. Well, well, I, yeah, I have, I have two comments on that. I, one, I think you have to, you have to let your child be comfortable with what they want to do. Cause Trevor's the same way. Trevor's actually really weird. He is super <laughs> shy. He is Trevor, super when shy. When you hear this in 15 or 20 years, he didn't mean it like that. I didn't, yeah. I didn't mean it, buddy. No, if I drag him up there, he's the shyest person in the world. I brought him up for a children's message once and he just climbed up. Right. Mm -hmm. But Tonight at this church event that we had, he was literally up on the stage dancing around in front of everybody because that was of his own volition and just hamming it up and having a good time. But I, I think to, to your point with Titus, like you just got to let him be that. And he may grow into being you and being right. super comfortable in front of everybody. And he may not. And that's okay. Now, there are certain points where it becomes socially debilitating or things like that. And we want to do everything that we can to to help them in certain circumstances. But, but the other thing is too, is that they are watching us. They, the kids are watching us and how we behave and they may decide one, you know what? I don't want to do that. That scares me what daddy does up there in front of church. I don't right. want to do that. So I'm going to go the, the absolute opposite way. But the, because all stories revolve around kids sports. I remember coaching my kids, what would this be? U5 soccer? And there you go. Tom, don't talk about things you don't actually know about. I know. I you're, being, you're being that dad right now. Oh, gosh. So we're, we're, playing, we're playing against this team, and there's this kid who was six years old or something, and he was, re he was really good for his age. He was bigger than everybody else. He was more coordinated, and he was scoring goal after goal after goal. And after every goal, I noticed this after about the second or third one, he would go – seek out somebody on my kid's team. He'd go up to them and say, that's three. And then presumably, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> yep, yep. What? And then he'd, he'd score again, and he went up to my kid. He's like, that's four. And once I'd heard it two or three times, I, and I realized it, it was this same kid doing it every single time, I just stopped him. I said, dude, that's unsportsmanlike. I, I know you don't even know what that word is, but you can't do that. that that's wrong. And I realized there's only one person, maybe two, there's only two people on this planet who he could have possibly learned that from. Yep. And it's his parents. Yep. I would bet you any amount of money that his dad is an absolute tool. <laughs> <laughs> on the soccer team. No, I mean, I think Dude, you're I will bet you any amount of money. I don't know, really? though, Tom. That's tricky because where like, else would he have learned that? No, well, first of all, an older brother, TV. But the other thing you, is that actually points to a broader question, Tom, because there, there is that whole nature nurture dynamic, right? Because like there are people where I'm like, man, you're an awesome parent and your kid is like not a very good kid. And then there's some people where I'm like, man, you don't seem like a great parent, but your kid's awesome. And like, and, and again, I think I see that in me where like, I think I'm a pretty good parent, but I'm probably not as good a parent as my kids are good kids. Um, so well, you also have a really great wife. I do have so. a really great wife. No, that's, that's very true. making up for your, my, ineptitude. Oh, that's, yeah. that's whenever old people at church are like, your kids are so well behaved. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's all Jenny. That's not me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is not me.
when the kids are screaming or cussing or yelling or hitting, then you can blame me for that one. Wait, have <sighs> have your kids cussed? No, no, they haven't. Shockingly, because I, I, I don't. I try not to cuss around them, even when I'm angry. Uh, and then if I do cuss, Jenny's like, "You can't say that around the kids." I'm like, "Okay." If, well, I don't really say, "Okay, you're right," but I, I do mutter, "Fine," under my breath. Nice. I remember w- one time I was getting out of the car and I banged my knee against something or I dropped something. I was like, "Ah, oh, crap!" And then from the back, Austin, at two and a half, three years old, "Ah, oh, crap!" And I was like, "Ah, oh, crap!" I mean, uh, no, no. <laughs> This cycle is just crap. Okay, but he probably doesn't understand what that is. Not saying because Austin is dumb, but like I remember my brother when we were probably like six or seven years old or something like that. I remember we were getting into a fight in our in our, our living room, and he goes, Josh, you are such a pervert. And I was like, <laughs> like, I didn't know what that word meant. And my mom had to have like a conversation with my brother, telling him, like, uh, I don't think that's that means what you think it means. Because I don't know where he had heard it or whatever, but he like at six or seven years old calls me like a pervert, thinking it's like an insult. Um, which well, I guess well, it, it kind is, of Josh. Well, it is, yes, but he didn't know. He thought it was like saying a bad word, which, well, I guess once it in, once again, it is. But he meant it pejoratively, right? But he which, didn't know what he was. Again, he didn't know what it actually. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Okay. I have a confession to make. This is going to take us in a you slightly a different direction. <laughs> but <laughs> I do. Oh no! This is Sorry. Now, great. Wait, wait, can, can, can Gabe and I like place bets on whether this is going to completely derail the entire conversation or no? What's no, the over under. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, what's, what's the over under under on derailing? I want to hear these. I want to hear these odds. Oh, it's at least I, I'm going to go with sixty five percent that it derails us. Whoa. Okay, Gabe, you get the over it's, under on sixty five percent. It it's kind of already derailed, so I'm going to go over. No, it's oh. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh! Good thing we didn't put any money on that. Keep okay, going, Josh. okay. So, the, and and maybe this is just because, uh, not because I'm just an idiot and a, a sinful, broken parent, but probably a, a theologian and a parent as well. Oftentimes, like I justify my anger in a moment, or my discipline or punishment in a moment followed up whatever indeterminate period of time happens with forgiveness and love by justifying my parental behavior biblically. And what I mean is like this, like if I start to get say angry about something and one of the other kids is like, Hey, don't get so angry at August or Jenny chides me or something like that about, you know, flying off the handle or something. In my mind, although I've never actually verbalized, in my mind, I convince myself that I'm actually not that far off from, say, the biblical depiction of God and his people, his children. Yep. Because God got angry with his kids, but always forgave them. So therefore, it's okay for me to get angry, to grow impatient, to punish as long as I follow that up at some point with, you know, forgiveness and love and reconciliation. Well, there, there's that's two, not there's that's probably things. not the best thing, right? Well, no, it probably is no, fine. It's no, called no, discipline. Yeah, no, no, no. There's two things in there that that we need to differentiate. There, you started out by flying off the handle. Okay, and that's then ended for me, it with, with with discipline, and so okay. th- those are two very different things. 
Okay, flying I'm off the handle for me. Either right now. For I'm sure. Just okay. First of all, I have to know who won the bet. No, this is taking us in a decent direction. Yeah, that's good, cool. Josh. You guys both. Yep, you both owe me fifty bucks. I just all made right. up that number. Anyway, <laughs> um, no, I, I, flying off the handle for me means that I get loud. Okay, I've never hit yep. any of my children ever. I've never spanked nothing. But I get loud, and you both know me. For those yep. of you listening, you, you can tell that I've turned the gain on my mic all the way down, and I'm still loud as AG Double Hockey Sticks. So flying off the handle to me, or, or in my family, means that like I'm not talking like this to my kids. I'm not raising my voice, but I'm literally like, I really raise my voice. I yell. I make sure they know yep. that yep. I am angry. Yep. So yep. that's what I mean by flying off the handle. And then discipline would then be like, go to your room. You're in a timeout. Just leave. You don't talk. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. So I, yeah, yeah. They're, they're not terribly far apart. I, I think, I mean, in my opinion, yes, there are there are markers, and and every parent has a different marker of of when. I mean, you all know when when your parents were 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 mad and then really mad. Yeah, you know. And it had to do with a look. It had to do with a tone. Uh, maybe the volume was the same, you know, or it was, or it was the oh my gosh, mom didn't say anything. She must be really angry, you know. And so, so we all have the things that we do um, in the spur of the moment. And I think we we as parents have a responsibility to try to limit that. I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to let your children know I am upset about the thing that you just did. No, and, and normal, yeah. I'm and just I, saying, I, I wonder if it's appropriate for me to then justify those right. behavior, parental behaviors by saying, Oh, well, you know, that's actually pretty biblical. Like God got super angry. I think that's super a, anger, you know, think that's a super, super weird angry. pastor thing. I, no, I, it must I be. Well, that's what, that's what I'm trying to I, figure I, out. I mean, how do, how do other parents justify yeah, their parental, you know, behaviors like or do they justify them at all? That's the question. Yeah, no, because I do the same thing, Tom. So how do you justify it when you fly off the handle? Yeah. So, again, I I, I don't justify flying off the handle when I get really mad at my kids and I yell and then I realize, you know what? I either disproportionately. I You know, that was a disproportionate response. There's there's not justifying that. There's just like, oh. That wasn't good parenting there. I have no problems with discipline, whether it be spanking, whether it be sending to their room or whatever type of discipline, as long as we're not getting into, um, you know, we can, I, I don't think we want to get into the justification of whether spanking is good or bad or whatever, but like, I would never, I, you know, once we get into emotional and physical abuse and things like that, I would never, I, I would never advocate for that. But like disciplining a child that, I don't need to justify that biblically. I think Spare we can justify that. Spoil the child. Yeah, Thank but I think we can we can justify that from just read a read a parenting book. You know, discipline is part of raising a good child. For sure. Well, and I do think there is something too, like in terms of what the uh, the crime committed is, right? Like if they're just if I'm just being annoyed by them, or they're not moving as quickly as I'd like, or something like that, and I and I like raise my voice far too much, then that's probably yeah. not a good thing. But I do think like, I still 
this is kind of a silly example, but I still definitively remember one of the maddest times my mom ever was at me was we were on a family road trip. And as I got out of the car to go into the gas station and go to the bathroom, uh, I farted on my little sister's head. Uh, <laughs> which is but my mom like lost it. And she's like, how could you do that to another human being? That's so degrading. That's so wrong. How could you ever do that? Like, we don't treat people that way. And she like, just like went into me and in retrospect, still hilarious, but she's exactly right. Um, you know, and I, and I sure. think her kind of getting really ticked off at me was pretty legit in that moment. S sent you into an existential spiral. It did. Is that the cause of it all? I think That's it is. I think we've guys, found under, her... this intervention is working, Tom. We've just found yes. the root cause of Gabe's, of Gabe's unhappiness. The fact Ooh. that he farted on his little sister's head and received a lecture about the degradation of of the Imago Day by his mom. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, yes, we are. We are now certified psychologists. This is great. This is good. Uh, this uh, is good. Yeah. I think this is an absolute fascinating piece of parenting is, is discipline and how we discipline. Uh, I mean, like I said, there, there's all sorts of books and discussions Foundation, and there have been arguments. Isolation. About, yeah. I mean, shaking torture. <laughs> shaking. Yeah. I mean, there's all this, there, there's all sorts of different things. And some people will say, wow, your lack of discipline and look at your kid. But then there's other people who, don't discipline their kids at all and they're just fine. And it goes back to your nature nurture piece yep. as well. Yep. I mean, so, and I, and I think that's our, that's our responsibility as parents though, is to figure out, you know, Jen and I have three vastly different boys when it comes to how we discipline and what their triggers are and things like that. And I think it's our responsibility as parents to figure that out and then discipline them appropriately. What gets difficult then is when, you know, Austin gets sent to his room for something. Caleb does the same thing, doesn't get sent to his room because we know it will have zero effect. And now Austin's pissed because Caleb didn't get sent to his room. They don't understand that yet. Uh, parental exegesis. That's mm. right. Mm -hmm. Thank you for bringing us back to the theological pub table, Tom. You know it. So I, th so that'll, uh, so that brings us to, what do we want to talk? Like you already talked about how you weirdly think about how Moses would have parented his children when you. <laughs> I do actually wait, think about that. You're disciplining wait, your children, but Mo Gabe, you said Moses. I didn't hear you well, say Moses. Not necessarily you Moses. Reference Moses. No, no, I don't. But I, I guess what I'm saying is like, on the one hand, I justify biblically. On the other hand, I do actually think back to ancient times of raising children. So, for example, like, and how much harsher it was. Like it just was. Like. Spare the rod, spoil the child was not a metaphor back then. Like it was yeah, a real you, rod. Yeah. You know, so. pur purge me with hyssop and I will be made clean. Right. So no, how many how many times have you heard our parents or our grandparents say, Boy, we got the belt if we you know Well, I actually did get a belt. Disobeyed. Yeah, and and but then, you know, it's like and, and I don't, I don't necessarily believe this argument, but like there wasn't as many of us on crystal meth back then, and we all. Right. Oh, wait, you know, wait, like, wait a second. <laughs> Who said? Wait, there is no. <laughs> wait, okay, there. Who said? No, it's not. There were not as many of us on crystal meth back. Please tell me one of your parents said that, Janet. No. If you are listening, text <laughs> us. Text us at six one two two zero eight six two five eight and tell me that either you. 
or Reverend, the Mr. Reverend O'Neill said Dennis weren't Dennis that either Janet or Dennis O'Neill said there weren't as many of us on crystal <laughs> meth back then. Please, no, please no, no. corroborate this, Janet. <laughs> A little bit of hyperbole, but I, I mean, I have heard people say, they're like, you know what? Now that spanking, it, you know, people don't spank their kids anymore. We got a lot more kids misbehaving, doing drugs, violent behavior, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't really believe that. I think we just see more of it through media and social media and things like that. I um, so, I, however, Gabe, you did make you and I sound like insane Christian fundies. By the way, well, thank thank you for that. I think the thing is, though, Josh, probably in our heads, we are like, like, I, I mean, well, we, we are, I like we to think are. of myself as an Orthodox fundy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm not like a Southern fundy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely not. A Southern. No. Fundy. If you were a Southern fundy, then you would take a bag of hickories to your kid. That, that's right. Yeah. No, I don't do that. No, that means a bag of chunks of hickory wood in a sack. Oh, we're kinda familiar like a, here in Minnesota, Adrian Peterson. Kind of like a sock filled with quarters. Oh, yeah. Um. So I, I would say, you know, the final thing, let's maybe, let's maybe uh, go to a break in a moment here, but I think, <clears throat> you know, as, as I think about it theologically, like aside from Josh and I's weird pastoral justifications of our, of our anger, um, there is a tie to the heavenly father that's, you know, you know, if I had a nickel for every sermon I heard where a pastor goes, I never understood the love of God as a father until I had my own kids. Um, you know, you hear that. And and to be honest, that's always kind of bothered me because I'm like, I don't know, how small is your capacity to love prior to having kids? But that's a whole nother episode. I guess my point would be scripture does to, I don't know who was talking about it, but, but does speak of the father loving us as his children and disciplining us as his children. Um, and... Mm -hmm. I guess if we, you know, what, what do we do? We look to him as a model. Is that a thing to do? But see, I don't know if that, that I, see that, I don't know if that elevates us to something that we're not, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we could only be a, like a, a very blurry, incoherent version of that model. And I think that a lot of times like, and, and this is where I really struggle because I feel like I, I justify my either anger, my disciplinary practices, my reconciliatory practices, whatever, biblically, but then I realize that that's a a false dichotomy that I'm creating, and it's sort of like a straw man of parenting. And then I'm like, wait a second, you can't like that's so presumptuous of you to say, oh well, I can discipline my kids because God disciplines us, His children. And then I'm like, that's such a like that's so terrible. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's like I undermine my own justification by the fact that I know it's a really stupid, busted up, corrupt justification. Well, yep. and I and I think you pointed it out just a little bit earlier that that we can't possibly parent like God does. And so we do have a heavenly father who loves us. We we do have a a a model that we could try to follow. And I, I guess that's where I you know, you asked me like who if I don't look at it biblically, what do I justify? I, I look to, I always think to what my father did and James like, Thompson. man, my, my dad, yeah, my dad never would have said this or my dad would never would have raised his voice in this situation. Or I might think of my peers and say, man, you know, I think that Gabe's a really great parent. I can't picture Gabe 
doing this or man, what would, what would Josh do in this situation? You know, don't ever, that is, that is a really poor practice. No, I, I know it's a, it's a poor idea. And that's why I almost never do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but, but at the end, I, I do love what you said though, Josh, about when we discipline or even when we do fly off the handle, when we, we, when we know we're not probably doing the right parenting thing, that we do come back like our heavenly father and we do offer forgiveness and we do respond again with love. Because if you, if you leave it in a place of, of discipline, if you leave it in a place of you're wrong, you're wrong, this is bad, then long-term effects are going to be, are That's not where the roots want. of bitterness grow. Yeah. That's right. And you know what, you know what, Tom, with that in mind, I feel like the three of us should take a quick break, go, quietly slip into our children's bedrooms and give them a sweet kiss on the cheek, a little hug, a rub on the back and a reminder whispered in their ear. I love you. Great Let's idea. Go. Hey, by the way though, on the way, uh, on the other side of the break, I have got a question for you guys about a really big word that relates to parenting before we close out the show. Get ready for it. Listeners. friends, we are back. And as promised, I've got a doozy of a question that includes a big word. Um, and it starts with an anecdote. Tom, I brace like yourself. I happening right now. Brace yourself, Tom. Here we go. Get ready, you guys. Um, when I was a young man, this is how I knew I was going to enter the world of theology. Because when I was a young man, is this I got... an appropriate story? Because there's a lot of inappropriate stories of you as a young man. I know. This will be an appropriate one. Okay. Okay. It's biblical. Um, when I was a young man, I got mad at my dad for whatever reason. I don't know. He, I got in trouble with him for doing something. And I was like, all right, I got to find a way to justify that he did something wrong here, that he did something wrong here. And so I'm perusing around my Bible, uh, like most junior high kids do. And, um, These are so weird. <laughs> and I came across, <laughs> and I, I came across Ephesians six. And uh, I don't remember the verse offhand, but in there, it says these words, fathers, do not exasperate your children. And so I then went and accused my father of exasperating me. No, you did not. Oh, I sure did. You bet I did. You bet but I you did. Didn't, but you didn't read verse one? <laughs> Doesn't matter. He exasperated me. So... My question to you, gentlemen, is what does it mean to exasperate your child? I, I think this is a tie back to the unfair expectations we have been trained to leverage upon our children, whether it comes to academics or sport or just general achievement in life. Like all of the stories that we've shared about those crazy parents who in fifth and sixth grade are just like going over their kids soccer teams or grades or whatever i think that is exasperating exasperating your children because you're sort of trying to like push them forward a number of years 
to achieve something that may or may not actually be beyond their capabilities to satisfy some desire or deficiency in yourself. All right. You know what that noise was? Huh? I just dropped that mic. You dropped that mic. That's dropped a big old it. mic to drop. Dropped it. Should we just end wow. there? I mean, I feel like we should just end there. Nope, because I'm at anything. Okay, fine. No, be, Tom. because I've got uh, a Tom story. Tom can talk. I can talk. I can always talk. Love the sound of my own voice. I, I've got a story where I exasperated my 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 eldest oh Austin, boy. who oh will also be a lawyer, for sure. Caleb had been all day picking on his younger brother Trevor, all day, all day, all day, and I had told him multiple times, "Do not hit your brother, do not." push your brother, do not kick your brother. And he kept doing it and he was just in a funk and he was so angry at the world and he kept doing this. And finally I'd had enough. And I scooped him up, I put him on my lap and I spanked him. And as I'm spanking him, I'm like, do not hit your brother. Do not push your brother, do not kick your brother. And Austin is looking at me from just across the living room and he looks at me, cocks his head to his side and says, daddy, why are you hitting him for hitting your brother? Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. First of all, you're so smart. That you is the sound me. of a mic drop from Austin whenever that actually happened. I know, right? And I was exasperating him because he just, he didn't get why I would do this. He was right in it, and I was in the wrong on that one. So what did you sure. do? Did you, did you confess? Did you repent? No, Tom? I immediately started looking up class for Harvard, Harvard Law School. <laughs> Harvard Law School. Scholarship opportunities. How do I get nice. this? Yeah. So, all right. I think the the end of this conversation is don't be that guy. Just don't. Don't be that guy. Guys, yeah. Don't be, don't that, be guy. that guy. Yeah, don't, don't be that guy. And and also, we're gonna have something for you guys and gals next episode. That has nothing to do with the uh, – that is not contingent, I should say, upon the, whether or not you have children. Can oh, I just I jump right. the gun? Can I just jump the gun? Should we talk about weed? We're talking about weed <laughs> next episode. It's We're, happening. Next episode, weed. let's talk weed. Let's talk Mary right. Joanna, Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Hit that blunt. Hit I will not. Blonde, whatever you no, want to do. You. No, thank you. We'll be doing something very different next week. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, last call. Man, I just completely Boom. derailed this. Quick shout outs. First and foremost, we always want to give our shout out to our good friend, Janet O'Neill. Thanks for being our number one listener. And Dennis tonight, because they need to corroborate something for me. They re- <laughs> <laughs> that they do. Uh, also, so that goes to Janet. If you are in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, attending the greatest university in all the land, uh, you can also Michigan attend. State? The Nope. University of Michigan. Uh, you can no, also Michigan attend State's the greatest church in all the land, and that's University Lutheran Chapel. And there you'll see my smiling face, such as it is. Um, Wait, if you smiling face, let's be more realistic. All right, smiling, but you, not necessarily happy about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you happen to be in Chattanooga, Tennessee, slinging some moonshine around. Uh, we encourage you to take a break from that and swing on over to Bridge City Community where you can see your boy Josh. And if you happen to be in the great state of Minnesota and are in need of a meal, check out Second Harvest where Tom will personally fund an entire bag of groceries for you. 
so encourage you to check out our great organizations that we love being a part of. Um, and also encourage you to be in touch with us on social media. Where's a few ways they can get a hold of us, Tom? Well, they can get a hold of us on Twitter, just like Joshua Vandekar, my right-hand man, literally the third baseman on my softball team. Thanks for tweeting. Secondly, you can get on Facebook. You can check us out there. Leave us a message like no one has ever done. But as we are picking up steam with our great texting option, you can go ahead and text us at 612-208-6258. Let us know what you think of the show. Shout us out some questions. Uh, we'll make sure to shout you out if you let us know who you are, and that'd be great. Smoke signals, carrier pigeons are also acceptable forms of communication in this day. This is true. Especially hey, next I, week. Smoke, I, smoke I, I have a burning question before we leave. One last question before we leave. Okay. Tom, where does the first harvest go? Ooh. <laughs> Well, if you really want to know, the first harvest is the what you buy in the grocery stores. The second harvest is the stuff that we get from the grocery stores or from the farmers. The, the, the fruits and vegetables that are not perfect looking, we get those. The, uh, the food that the General Mills doesn't sell, we get that. Dude, this is just, it's just gleaning, actually. This yeah. is just yeah. Levitical. Okay. Yeah. All right. Gleaning, food well, rescue. Well, then let's give our final shout out to Ruth and her former clan of the Moabites. <laughs> And to her new family, Noe, Naomi, and the Israelites. And, with and to that, kinsmen, redeemers everywhere. Wow. Way to bring it full circle, Gabe, like we always do. That's what we See do. See you. We're PGP, out. Over and out.